0: If you're in the Bay and can make it to Berkeley on April 18th, join us at our robotics and AI conference. We'll have live demos, interviews with leading robotics and AI technologists, and technical workshops that are pretty cool, along with some networking. Get 15% off your ticket using promo code equity at TechCrunch.com roboticsai If you're looking to sell your private company stock, SharesPost has a solution for you more than $4 billion in company-approved transactions, SharesPost is the leading marketplace for private company shares. To learn more, visit us at sharespost.com equity. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hello and welcome back to Equity, the show that unpacks the numbers behind the headlines. I am Alex Wilhelm, Editor-in-Chief over at Crunchbase News. And this week, one, we're back, thank heavens. <laughs> Two weeks of not doing this was far too long. I haven't actually made a joke since like December 20th. Uh, which is ridiculous, but I'm very lucky to have TechCrunch Venture Reporter Kate Clark with me. Kate, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, I, I survived the stock market being closed a whole bunch, and uh, I'm glad you boring. survived. You know, I mean, holidays are good for other people. Um, I'm Fair. glad things are happening again, and uh, I feel like that's uh, how the year has started. There's been no real slowdown in news. There's been a lot of big rounds, especially for our two-wheeled friends. So what's going on with, uh, I don't know, let's start with Bird.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Bird is hitting the ground running in 2019. They are reportedly raising a $300 million round. And um, as we all know, well, Bird has already raised hundreds of million dollars and was valued at $2 billion with their last round. This new round is su- reportedly being led by Fidelity. Um, and Bird is already backed by the likes of some of the best VCs, including Upfront Ventures, Sequoia, who led their last round, Index Ventures, CRV, and Graycroft. This does come at an interesting time because I think a lot of people are doubting um, how successful these scooter startups really can even be, considering the extremely poor unit economics. But I uh, how much I do d- we know
0: about that point? I feel like people always presume that the unit economics are bad. I know the information mm-hmm. had some numbers about. I think it was a, a bird quarter, mm-hmm. but do we have any recent notes that about kind of where the economics actually stand?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I think a lot of us are like, oh, they have such poor unit economics. Like these businesses are terrible. But you know, we haven't had. Unfiltered access to their financials, so we don't really know. And I and I tweeted something actually last week, along the lines of like, what are VCs thinking? You know, giving them an additional three hundred million dollars if their unit you know, economics are that bad. And I had some people slide into my DMs saying things, <laughs> saying things kind of like, you know, you don't really know what you're saying because you haven't actually seen what's going on behind you know, what's going on in their financials. So maybe maybe these businesses are a lot better than we think, but I just, I don't have a lot of faith.
0: I don't see where the math that I'm doing in my head is wrong. I do see places where they can optimize and improve the numbers over time with more durable scooters, with right. batteries. and
1: with Bird, as, as we pointed out here in our notes, um, Bird only has electric scooters. I mean, Lime, which um, you'll tell us about in a minute, they have a whole full suite of mobility tools offerings, and including <laughs> including Lime Pods, which are small vehicles. Aren't
0: those just Fiat 500s? They've spray painted green.
1: Essentially, yes, but it's shareable vehicles, which I actually think is a pretty good idea. I I, I see the value there. Yeah. I don't really know what's what's going on with that. Cause it's only in Seattle right now, but.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean the thing about the bird round that's eye-catching. On top of all that, is they're not going to change their valuation. Right. So what's what's going on with that?
1: Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. So they're 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 raising at a flat two billion dollar valuation. So that kind of I, I'd say adds more fuel to our uh, hypothesis that these businesses are not as um, you know the the value proposition is not as huge as they are making it out to be. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, this this whole round is it's for one, it's not closed. I think it's ongoing right now. Yes. Um. We really don't know if it's going to be three hundred million. This comes from a report, um, I think from Axios that had said they were going to raise at a flat two billion valuation. So this could all change, and I wouldn't be surprised if they upped the valuation a little bit because I mean, I'd assume that's what they want
0: everyone wants that. No, right, for people yeah. who are who are not sure about why a flat valuation is kind of bad, if you're a quickly growing mm-hmm. company, you want your valuation to go up. So when you sell that next block of shares for another couple hundred million dollars in Bird's case, you have less dilution. If you maintain your last valuation, you're going to have more dilution than you expected. And then everyone who is a common stockholder, your employees, your CEOs, whatever, CEO, probably just one of those, um, gets diluted a lot more quickly. And that's why mm-hmm. it's bad. It's also a bearish sign. It's something that we see and we go, ooh, I don't know what happened there.
1: Yeah, we're like, yikes. when we see that definitely.
0: Yeah. And then, well, but this all contrasts a bit with what Lime is doing, because Lime is doing kind of a similar constellation of things that's slightly a bit more bullish. So Lime is raising $400 million, we hear, at a $2 billion valuation, but that's up from its prior $1 billion. So it's seen a value increase, and it's raising a bit more money, uh, but it probably has higher capital needs, as Kate pointed out, because it does a lot more than just uh, scooters, it has bikes, e bikes, and I mean, Lime Pods. I don't right. really want to use their brand name, but I guess we'll call them that. Yeah, what else do you call it? I, know. It's I guess. Four wheeled Lime contraptions that I think yeah. are run by internal combustion engines, and also I'm totally wrong. Um, but uh, Lime had raised $445 million before, I believe, and Bird had raised something like four hundred and fifteen. Mm-hmm. I forget the actual number. Uh, but this is going to be $700 million more if these rounds close where we expect them. So the bet, the wager, that has been made on scooters is about to be not quite doubled, but not too far off from doubling. And uh, going back to the fear that was in the market around December, when the markets were wobbling and everyone was worried about the IPO window, I would not have guessed that we would end up here so soon with so much more money for these two companies that are trying to build really nascent businesses uh, here domestically. It's, yeah. it's a su- surprise.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a couple episodes ago, last one of the last times I was on equity, I said that I thought Uber was going to buy Lime and I was so sure of it. And you know, I didn't expect that they would raise two massive rounds just right off the bat in the beginning of the year. But at the same time, like I think this all connects back to just how much capital is in the market and VCs have so much money that they have to deploy somewhere. And I think it's like, if the market weren't the way that it was right now, these scooter companies would not be raising a total of $700 million, yeah. like, two weeks into January.
0: I feel like, though, whenever we have a VC on the show, which we do most weeks, they're always like, well, you know, we're being, you know, we're being careful. We're not doing anything too silly. And then we turn mm-hmm. around and look at the news, and everyone's like, money! Mm-hmm. So where, <laughs> where are those VCs who are not coming on the show, who are writing these checks, and can we please get them to show up? Because I want people to explain to me their unfettered optimism as we look at a slowing global economy, trade problems, political problems, a stock market that's down 1,000, 1,200 points on the NASDAQ from all-time highs, rising interest rates. I mean, there's just a lot of things that strike me as concerning, but apparently not if you're in scooters. So um, let's move on from these two Mm -hmm. things and talk about something that uh, was actually kind of sad. So Chariot shut down. And uh, if I recall correctly, Chariot, which is a shared van commute service that has kind of like fixed routes. It's like a private bus, but not a bus. It's a van. (laughs) Private van bus. Basically a bus For, for tech employees. Yes, because it costs more than a bus. Right, And it goes to tech people's neighborhoods. Anyways, yes. there was a thing a few years ago, back in 2014, 2015, um, to build out new solutions to get people around San Francisco because the city is notoriously hilly and also clogged with traffic. Uh, most of these failed. Chariot, which I believe was a YC company, raised $3, 4000000 million, was sold to Ford in 2016. And people thought it was a pretty pretty damn big deal because it was Ford putting money into a mobility-focused startup and also it was an acquisition uh, by an acquirer, we don't see around here, but things have turned around.
1: Yeah, it was definitely sad news. And um, I actually had never even heard of Chariot till I moved here, and I saw it everywhere. I think it's, it was kind of like, huh, that's a, sort of a silly concept. But yeah, they had a big exit to Ford, right? It was like 60 million. I think like, it was 65 million. No. Yeah, that's which the I the mean, last number that I saw. I can't Considering what they'd raised. But um, yeah, so recently. Um, Mayor London Breed tweeted something like, uh, you know, hey, if you were a driver laid off with Chariot, like you should look into becoming um, a bus driver with the SFMTA, which is the transportation group that the government, the arm of the government in San Francisco that runs transportation. So apparently, according to the SF Chronicle um, They've already signed up 125 laid-off chariot drivers to that's become bus drivers. Religion. So that's great because that is a really unfortunate side effect of a business getting shuttered by an acquirer.
0: Yeah, but there, the the other side of this is we have been excited, maybe, or enth- or enthused by the idea of for getting into what we call kind of micro mobility space, putting money into things that are not just cars you sell to a family or to an individual things that are shared, things that are working in urban environments. Uh, and to see this retrenchment, this, uh, this uh, move back, yeah. is disappointing um, for the space and also for Ford. But as we know, Ford bought um, Spin Mm-hmm. Which was a correct me if I'm wrong smaller American scooter company than Lime and Bird, and so it still has bets on the table. It's just taking this one out of play.
1: Yeah, I wonder. I was just thinking that. I wonder how this makes the um, management team at Spin feel seeing that seeing this um, sort of failed attempt. How long ago was the um, Chariot acquisition?
0: Uh, I think it was 2016.
1: Okay, so that's not long ago.
0: Well, what year is it now? 2019. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that's three I did, years. That
0: came out of that came off as of sarcastic. No, 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 no. I meant <laughs> that as honest. Um, I guess it was two to three years ago now.
1: Right. So I get. Yeah. I mean, fast forward three years from now, we'll see if Spin is still around. I, don't I know. mean,
0: do you want to do you want to lay some bets now? We're on the red. I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna bet that it won't be. But I feel like my bets so far have been wrong.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> if we go back and score the last like six months of equity yeah. in our predictions, it has not gone fantastically. Um, do you think though that this is Ford saying that? their idea of moving away from the car doesn't work or just that chariot as a model wasn't high enough growth to make it worth the continued investment now
1: i think it's the latter i don't think chariot i mean honestly like it is like we just said it's a bus system for tech employees like i don't know how much they could have how how far does that go how big can that get i think it just wasn't the greatest of ideas
0: i don't remember the name of the company i should have looked this up before the show but there was one of these like bus for techies nsf ideas that had like a mini like juice bar inside of it and it was super fancy and i i thought that was super cool back when i was an idiot wow Um, yeah that's that's i like to be pampered you know but you were what i like to to be pampered like anyone Ah, else does yes but now i take muni did you have a juicero i did not ouch no i did not have a juicero but as always (laughs) i'm on the precipice of buying a peloton so i'm just as bad as anyone else okay yeah you
1: need to just do that because you've talked about it like multiple episodes (laughs) i think just buy it hey
0: everyone don't forget this episode is brought to you by shares post what you can see is the production staff is now laughing at me with cake, uh, <laughs> which is usually an indication it's time to move along um, to a story that I'm really excited about, because for a long time we've been curious about how well Slack is doing, and some new numbers came out this week that give us a look... Not from today, but from a little bit back looking forward. So, Kate, okay, what's the uh, what's the Slack story?
1: Yeah, so the information um, was able to get their hands on some really interesting um, uh, Slack financials um, that are definitely really telling about what's to come. So Slack is a, reportedly um, pursuing a direct listing, which, if you remember, was how Spotify became a public company in 2018. Um, it's kind of like a, and I'm sure you also know about this, but it's like an interesting form of transitioning to the public markets where you don't list any new shares, um, it's supposed to be better for employees because
0: you, you don't have dilution. I mean, yeah. effectively, right? If you don't need the cash and you don't need to have a price set by bankers who have a slight incentive to make it lower than it otherwise would be, mm-hmm. well, then you can walk away a little bit improved. To me, I, I don't see why a normal IPO is so bad, so I don't quite see the attraction. But that's the idea.
1: Yeah, it seems to be an up and coming model. So, so anyway, so the information says that Slack, which has now, uh, 3 million pay- paying users had $900 million in cash um, in the fiscal year ending January 2018, um, and revenue of $221 million, which is projected to grow to $389 million um, year ending January 2019. So according to the documents that they were able to get their hands on, which were from early 2018, lots of years floating around. It's a okay, so
0: let me see if I can unstick this. So essentially, for the year ending, for the 12-month period ending now... A year ago, they expected to make about $389 million in revenue for the last twelve months. Yes. Up from $221 million in the preceding twelve months, roughly calendar seventeen.
1: Yes. So then they also so from that they projected that they would be hitting six hundred and forty million in revenue in year in the year ending January 2020. So the next
0: 12 months. Yes. But they made that by the time that projection comes to be done, it'll have been two years before they made the guess. That's right. why I don't really trust that number because even Slack can't see that far in the future. Definitely.
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't trust these numbers too much, but it it gives us some idea of where Slack is, or how Slack's doing and where they're going. And Slack um so Slack's expected to make this direct listing if that is indeed what they end up doing um in in 2019, probably in the first half, although as we'll discuss later, we're not really sure how IPOs are going to go this year. Um so Slack's raised more than a billion dollars in VC funding and was most recently valued at 7 billion dollars. Um, which is 18 times the annual revenue that they were projecting for January 2019. So
0: the 389 million number that we discussed before. Yes, okay, exactly. But if I, if if I closed out uh, Q3 of last year with 900 million in cash, which I believe is what Slack did, uh, I get the direct listing. There's absolutely no need for them to raise more capital right, because right. they they apparently have. I don't know. What do you call it? A small PE firm funds worth of cash in the bank, right? Like and Slack crazy.
1: Slack even has their own VC fund internally that invests in companies that are building on Slack's platform. So yeah, they definitely have a lot of money. And we should point out, you can't do a direct listing if you don't ha- if you need cash because you don't raise any new cash when you do a direct listing. So this only works for companies like Spotify and Slack that are that actually are have money on their balance sheet.
0: And that are very well known because an mm-hmm. IPO will have a roadshow. You'll drum up interest. Bankers will go out there and help you pitch. Uh, Slack is saying we are literally so well known. People will want to come buy our shares. We don't need to go out there and promote it in the same normal way you do with an IPO. And Spotify, being a consumer-oriented company, have that kind mm-hmm. of uh, mind share. And Slack is betting the same way uh, in the corporate sense for itself, which is yeah. so 2019.
1: It's true. And actually, it sounds to me like a lot a lot more peaceful of a process. Um as- aside from the fact that you're not raising a whole bunch of new cash, I feel like it's a much better option if you are like a consumer facing company or you're a well known company.
0: Yeah. But I mean, the sad thing is for most enterprise companies, that's not the case. I mean, yeah. a company called Rubrik raised another couple hundred million this week at a $3.3 billion valuation. I was trying to figure out what they did. I just <laughs> Even started, we don't know what they do. And right, I just like, started writing like big data, analytics, IT, and cloud. I was kind of, cloud, cloud, yep. you know, all that. Because I'm sure it all plugs together somehow. But they probably need to do an IPO. They need to go out there and build that mind share, get people excited about their listing. Slack right. is something that we all, Slack changed its logo yesterday. and We all lost our minds.
1: I know. I was so shocked by how upset people were i could not have cared less
0: i well i I really
1: i didn't care did you care no oh good i I did
0: enjoy watching everyone get mad
1: i was just really surprised because uber uber changed their logo like maybe four months ago and i wrote a story on it and i felt like nobody was interested they did yeah i didn't even know wait what so ubers changed their logo like four times so i think that's why people didn't care but they changed their logo again and i want to say like october and I remember thinking, wow, this is kind of interesting and just nobody cared. And then Slack goes and changes the logo and everybody freaks out.
0: Maybe it's because if an app that we like or that we feel like some sort of emotional connection to, like, I don't know, I use Slack a lot. I'm on a bunch of different I mean, don't you use Uber a lot or you Lyft? Yeah, I use, I use Uber a lot too, but like, I, I feel like we've gone through so many breakups with Uber it's like that's a friend that's in my apartment versus like the friend that I'm excited is coming over. I agree. That's a bad yeah, analogy. that's what I, but That's
1: kind of what I figured. It's I figured you know they changed it so many times and they were like we clearly didn't know what they were doing as far as a design because they just keep changing their minds. But
0: still. Anyways, Slack has a new logo. If you didn't know, now you <laughs> do. They took a, they did away with the plaid and took the Google Photos logo and tilted it. And it's not a
1: great new logo, I will say.
0: Oh, so now you do have an opinion on it?
1: Yes, I do. I just don't care. I guess I haven't. I have an opinion on most things. I don't necessarily care about, but. That's actually you know.
0: an importantly nuanced point right there. <laughs> like I have many thoughts, I just don't put a lot of weight behind them. Exactly. Um, okay, let's let's leave Slack alone for a minute. We're going to talk about Slack a lot this year, I think. So I don't want to hit on it too much now because they're, if they do this direct listing, we're going to be talking about that for weeks. Um, okay, I want to do a quick uh, quick touch on Palantir. Now, Palantir is a company we don't talk about much on the show uh, because they're kind of the opposite of a Slack. Slack CEO Stewart is out and about, going to conferences, giving talks. Um, kind of in the public eye in the same way that Aaron Levy was five six years ago Mm. uh Palantir is much more of a a private-ish company they work with I mean here's some words again big data analytics and human computer interactions to solve interesting problems uh but they're a bit more (laughs) in the shadows and so they don't come up much but in this case the company disclosed that its revenue for 2018 was actually kind of close to a billion dollars which is much more than we expected so According to earlier reporting, Palantir did about 600 million in revenue in 2017 and was expecting about 750 in 2018. So about, you know, 25% growth, mm-hmm. for a large company, but nothing crazy. Now, let's say that if it's close to a billion was actually 900 million, that would imply 50% growth year over year, which at that size is quite impressive. Now, I I bring this up because the company may go public this year, and if okay. it does, There's a question, because last year, bankers were telling Palantir, and this leaked to the media, that it could be worth $41 billion. Damn. Right, but also wrong, because it's (laughs) not worth $41 billion, according to any metric that I know. Unless there's an entire ratio in finance that I've missed Mm -hmm. that makes this reasonable. But... At $900 million in revenue last year, a faster growth rate, it's still not worth $41 billion, but it's worth a lot closer to that. And so I'm curious about how much momentum it has going into this year, what kind of growth it can put in the first couple of quarters, and if that will impact its valuation yeah. eventually.
1: Do you really think it will go public this year? Like, what are the chances?
0: Dude, you. I've been burned by that question so many times. Yeah. I mean – Look, this year is either going to be really warm and everyone's going to jump in the pool at the same time, or everyone's going to be like, JK, we didn't mean to. I'm slack. I've got $900 million in the bank. I'm going to hang out. Yeah. Do you think Palantir can't raise another couple hundred? Probably can.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see Palantir not going public this yeah. year. I, I mean, Palantir <coughs> might
0: not. Pinterest could pull the plug. Airbnb doesn't need to. Yeah, I
1: don't think Airbnb will.
0: So who's still going to? Okay, well, here, they're taking a short <laughs> hiatus in the middle of the show here. Wh- who is going to go out to you Uber think? and Lyft? Yeah, they're, they're they they're gonna go out. They need money.
1: They're gonna go out. Yeah,
0: okay.
1: I think Uber and Lyft are gonna go out, and I think Pinterest is gonna go out. Why Pinterest? Mm, I just, I mean, I'm basing that off of like conversations, but, and just you know rumors that they've taken steps like hired banks and things. I think Airbnb, Airbnb is profitable again for the second year. I feel like well, they EBITDA profitable. So, I but I think they probably have less of an urgent need. To yeah, to go out. So I, I just uh, that one. I just feel maybe 2020.
0: Okay. So sorry for cutting you off. I didn't mean to oh, try no, to correct you. But EBITDA is is a profit ish metric. It's not mm-hmm. quite the same thing as gap profitability, and in Silicon mm-hmm. Valley, uh, we conflate the two at times, and it makes me. It's angry. true. It's true. <laughs> um, okay. So this all sums to the question about the IPO slowdown because there is a weird external factor in the market right now that is changing the face of the IPO landscape. Um, yeah, definitely. The we, broke.
1: we all we've all been saying like we want these companies to go out. ASAP, like Uber and Lyft, but little did we did we know that this major disruption was coming, which is the government shutdown. Um, it's entered day 27. It's already well past the longest government shutdown in history. So there's hundreds of thousands of people who aren't working or, or not being paid, and um, a lot of people don't realize that that actually does affect the stock market in a number of ways. And one of them is that um, SEC employees, they're government employees, and they're not at work. So uh, the government, the SEC, shut down um, in late December, and they've they still have. 285 employees who are on the clock. So I'm not sure they have some special policy in place, I guess, (laughs) expecting like how to handle situations like this. So they've got those people that are working and the Edgar, which is the system that allows companies to submit documents like IPO filings online, that is still open. So companies are still able to submit their IPO paperwork, but nobody's Nobody's there to look at it
0: and give feedback and help you get ready to actually make a public right. Your so
1: file. you're essentially filing into the abyss right now, and <laughs> people are people are doing it, but they a lot of people are doing it. So there's so according to a report from CNBC, I think last week said there was a quote unquote large and growing backlog of fi- backlog of filings. So what does that mean? I mean, I think uh, unless the government shutdown ends very soon, I, I, it still doesn't look like it is. Um, Coming to an imminent end, where we may have a significant delay in IPOs in 2019, which is not going to be great for a lot of companies, mainly smaller biotech companies who need to go public ASAP in order to raise funds. So I guess at the end of the day, it's not a huge deal for Uber, it's not a huge deal for Lyft or Pinterest or Slack or you know whatever any company that's a tech unicorn looking to go public, but um, it still could. Uh, lead to pretty big uh, negative consequences for the market. But the
0: the risk here for these companies is, let's say the shutdown lasts another two weeks. I mean, like, knock on wood, I hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) And then it takes the SEC a month to get through the backlog, and then finally you can go public in March. Mm -hmm. But what if the NASDAQ in the meantime drops 1,500 points?
1: Exactly. We have no idea what's going to happen in the meantime, what the market will look like. So what this could mean is say, like, we're back up and running back to normal in March, and Uber or Lyft goes public, and it's it's an absolute, like, terrible terrible float, that could mean that all the other companies that we thought were going to go are like, well,
0: we're going to wait till 2020. Yeah, that doesn't look like a place I want to go swimming. So mm-hmm. I'll pass. And that, mm-hmm. and that could be... I didn't think we'd be so early with the pessimism on the IPO market this year.
1: I know. It was literally like January 2nd and everybody was like, never mind. Like, like Maybe yeah. IPOs are not cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, Slack has so much cash. Um, Okay, but we should let it go there for now. But I do have a little bit of a note for everyone. Um, Because we did take a short hiatus at the start of the year to rest our vocal cords and uh, just kind of sit down, we will be doing a longer-than-normal episode next week. Um, We will have Danny. We will have Connie. Kate and I will both be there. We may have a guest. It's going to be a real, real good time. So we will see you next week for uh, kind of like a double, kind of a back-to-back equity episode. So stay tight, and we'll see you soon. All right, everybody, thank you for listening, and a big thank you to Connie Loizos, our producer Christopher Gates, our executive producer Henry Picavet, and we will see you all right here next week.